Thanks, girl. My wife is the coolest. I don't know. Like, I love everybody else in this place, don't get me wrong, um, but she is just the coolest girl of all time. I don't know why I never thought of this before, but this is like, this is, this is great, right here. Not that I really need my notes, um, it usually just kind of keeps me on track for time. God's good, amen. And absolutely, I love everything Adrian just said. Um, thanks for throwing mad shade my way, telling everybody that I cost everybody I run into in the streets. Can I have a drink of water real quick? Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right, cheers. Salute. Um, I don't know. I saw that in a movie once. They weren't drinking water anyways. Uh, don't you judge my journey, okay? But tonight... I'm just kind of feeling like we need to go in. Does that sound good? Can we just get in the Word? Can we just go after God tonight? Is that okay? Like, it's already been undignified. It's already been everything that I needed it to be, but I kind of feel like God is looking for us to take it to another level still. Does that sound good? And if it gets you even more excited, I can tell you this. The ending song tonight is Oceans. So, I mean, like... God's just good. He's told us what to do tonight, and we're going to burn this place down. I'm kidding, but it's going to be awesome, all right? All right. I'm looking at you, Izzy. It's going to be awesome, all right? So tonight, the title of my message is this. We've been in an incredible series called Built for the Wild. Has this been good for anybody? Have we been enjoying it? Has it been good? I love this series. I honestly kind of uh, feel like Built for the Wild is a banner for our church. Like, as I've been studying, as I've been coming up with messages and all this stuff, I realized, I was like, man, I could go for weeks and weeks and weeks talking about how the Christian is built for the wild, that we're actually built for the world and the sphere and the city and everything that we're in. And we're not going to do that because God has laid some other things on my heart to preach on in the coming months, especially Easter Sunday. BT-dub. Got a really cool Easter Sunday uh, announcement next week. I'm figuring out some logistics stuff. Easter Sunday is going to be popping off. It's going to be great. Bring people to it. They kind of have to come. It's like, you know, Easter or Christmas. Easter. Come on, bro. Come. Yes, exactly. The, the Christ Easter people. Um, get them here because I tell you what, Easter Sunday is going to be popping off. I couldn't be more excited about it. Rusty and I have been planning it. It's going to be a great Sunday in church, and we want you to be here. We want everybody we know to be here. Sound good? So tonight, the title of my message is this. In case you were wondering, because I know you're taking notes, the title of my message is this. You ready? Yes. Yeah. Just like last week, Freedom in the Wild, this is just going to bless you right off the bat. You ready? Ready. Yeah. I am not convinced. Go. Thank you. The title of the message tonight is this, More in the Wild. There is more in the wild. There is more in our relationships. There is more in our marriages. There is more in our businesses. There is more in our friendships. There is more in this church and for this church. And there is always more. In case you don't know, now you know, there's more with God. Amen. So tonight we're going to go in and we're going to get after it. Does that sound good? Dude, it's going down in the PM. I'm excited. I'm drooling. It's going to be great. So last couple weeks, we have gone over what the, what Built for the Wild looks like. The first week, we talked about urgency in the wild and how urgency actually provokes actions in our lives. It provokes us to grab our rope and get our people on a mat to Jesus. Amen? Then the second week, we talked about freedom in the wild, how our past actually isn't our future. You are not your mistakes. Your past is not your future. There is freedom with God. Amen? 
And so tonight, I want to start, I want to continue this series with something I have called More in the Wild, because I believe for us, I believe for these people in this room and the people who have come in and experienced Jesus before, and I believe for the church of Grand Rapids, and I believe for those who may not know Jesus yet, but are still on the journey, wherever they're at, I believe that God's ultimate plan for us tonight is to not be a, just some statistic of mediocrity. And I, and I think it's a bit overplayed because in the culture that I come up in, it's like leadership culture where everything's like excellence and God is excellence and everything's going to be excellence. And I do believe as Christians, we should live with excellence. I really do. I think as Christians, um, we got some incredible artists in the room right here. Y'all have like wrote for TV shows. You do cool stuff. And this girl over here, Virginia, has a super hungry podcast. It's dope. You should check it out. She's got a new one too. It's cool. I can't remember the name of it. Fantasy God is awesome. She's picking out biblical, biblical truths and like other cool stuff. It's cool. You should subscribe to her podcast. Anyways, quick plug. There you go. Um, love you, girl. So, but like I think as Christians, we should be, the, we should operate in excellence. I think that gets, I think that we ride the line and straddle the line of excellence where excellence is the end-all, be-all goal. And if excellence isn't the goal, well, then we throw away everything we did. We don't celebrate the work and how much we actually accomplished. If it wasn't excellent enough or it wasn't our national standard, we, we don't, we throw the baby out of the bathwater and we don't celebrate it, right? But I think as Christians, if we follow Jesus, we should be changing. If we're in the art sphere, we should be creating the best art because we were made by a creator. Amen? If we're in the business world, we should be operating with the most integrity out of everybody because we are Christians. We have his namesake. We have his power. We should be operating with godly integrity. Amen? Whatever we do as Christians, we should definitely be living for excellence. But understand tonight that God does not have a life planned out for you, a calling on your life where you just live to be a statistic. A statistic of mediocrity, a statistic for another person who didn't go to college, a statistic for another person who didn't graduate, and a statistic for another person who, whatever the statistic is, whatever the label that Rusty was talking about later that has been on your life, whatever that is, God has more for you than that label, more for you than a statistic, more for you than how far your parents went, more for you than what they said about you growing up, more for you than anything you've experienced up until this point. Do you believe that tonight? So, man, we're going to look at the words. Does that sound good? Can we read the Bible? Yeah. Tonight, we're going to look at probably, and I, I'm reluctant to say this, can I be honest? I really love the Bible. I'm kind of a Bible nerd. I don't know if you've learned that about me yet, but I, unlike most pastors, I don't preach like 16 different like places out of the Bible in one message, uh, just because I think in one passage, in one place, there's a lot of meat, and I think God uh, wants us to take it apart and, and dig into what he said and really see what he has for our lives instead of jumping here, jumping here, jumping here, jumping here, jumping here, jumping here. Like, let's just see what Jesus had to say in this moment. Um, but I really love the Bible, and so I'm reluctant to say this, but I think this is my favorite book of the Bible. I think. I really love Romans and I really love Galatians. I keep shutting my microphone off. But I really love Ephesians. Y'all love Ephesians? Have you read Ephesians? Yeah. This is my favorite. So we're going to open up to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I'm coming out of the NLT. If you got your Bibles, awesome. If anybody got a Bible tonight, can you wave it at me? 
throw it up in the air like you really don't care. There it is, few Bibles. It's got a phone. I love it. Bible in the back. Awesome. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the big Bible back here, and may he have mercy on your soul. So, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home. Somebody say home. Make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down. Somebody say grow. Will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power. Somebody say power. I really want to say like power. Sorry. And you will have the, that was probably really loud and obnoxious, but you will have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all fullness. Somebody say all. With all fullness of life. And there's that word again. Somebody say power. And power that comes from God. Verse 20, this is it. This is my favorite verse. Maybe in the whole Bible. Bible outside of Jesus going to the cross. Now, all glory to God who is able, somebody say able, able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, somebody say infinitely. No, say it infinitely. Infinitely more than we could ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Somebody give God an amen. Amen. And because I love this verse so much and I love every translation of it, no translation has messed it up. Even even like old school King James, if that's you, that's great. Do your thing. But even old King James didn't mess it up with the thousand does and all that. Ephesians 3.20, the message version, is so awesome. Like, I'm going to read that to you too real quick. It says, God can do anything. Somebody say anything. anything. You know, far more than you could ever, somebody say imagine. Yes. Somebody say guess. Yes. Somebody say request. Yes. And somebody say your wildest dreams. God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine, guess, or request in your wildest dreams. There's that word, wild. Does that sound good? Do you believe that tonight, that God can do more? That we've seen some, but we ain't seen it all yet? God's not done? Do you believe it? You ain't seen nothing. I don't know what that is, but I like the way you sung it, boy. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get into it. Sound good? God, I love you. I ask that you would just continue to have your way. We're having fun in church because we believe that church is to be enjoyed, not endure, God. God, because of what you've done, because of going to the cross, we can have a relationship with you. And a relationship with you is always joyous, even in the stretching season, even in the sanctification process, even when we're growing and we're being challenged, God. Being with you is a joy. It has never worked, God. We never feel like we have to just keep striving to have a relationship. God, you've already done it all. We get to rest in you, and we get to have joy, and we get to grow, and we get to change. God, so I just ask these next few moments, you would continue what you've already started throughout the rest of the service, and you would continue to love us and change us and grow us, God, and encourage us and spur us on. God, we want to leave better, stretch, better looking, better than we came in. God, more happy, more secure with ourselves and our security and who you are, Jesus, we want to leave looking more like you. So we ask that you would come and have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Man, I'm what you call hashtag thirsty. That is going to, like, 
<laughs> that was awesome. That was the best laugh I have ever heard, and that will live in my heart forever. But man, I, I call this message more in the wild again because I just got to believe. I've got to believe. And, I, and I, I hope that you believe this too. I don't know how long you've been in church. I don't know what you've experienced so far. I don't know what you haven't experienced so far. But man, I got to believe for me and I got to believe this Bible and I got to believe what God says is true, that there is more than I've experienced so far. Do you believe this? Because man, I, I look at it, I look at the church today and, I, and, and whether it's Takeover Church, whether it's the, the Church of Grand Rapids, the climate here, the culture here, the global church, Christians in general, I think that we do a lot of things that can only be described as Christian things, but I think even often, more often than not as we do these so-called Christian things, we still walk away with less than what God actually desires for us. And I think that even though we're trying these quote-unquote Christian things, we do these Christian things that look like Christians would do, there's still more. There's still more on the table. There's still more for us tonight. And so I think about these things, and, and one of the things I wrote down, this is so funny, like I think for us, more often than not as Christians, and I include myself in this, we don't have a, a, a you culture here at church. I'm never going to go say, like you, some of you out there, that's never going to be my heart because guess what? I'm human. We're on this journey together. It's called following Jesus and we're in it together and I got things to work on and you got things to work on and you know, if God's got me and he's got you, then we're going to be all right, all right? Sound good? And so we're going to keep going together. I love this. People are getting my references tonight. It's so great. But we're going to keep going together because I think for a lot of us as Christians, we, we, we go to a church, we might call it home, but when it's inconvenient for us to be there, suddenly it's like we were never there, right? For a lot of us, we go to a church, but, but sometimes it's, hey, I'm not going to be there this weekend. I'm gone this weekend. Maybe they won't even tell you that they're going to be gone. Oh, I'm going out to, you know, I'm going out to the lake shore. We got a boat, so we won't be there. And guess what? We're not going to be giving either because it's inconvenient for us to be there this weekend. So it's inconvenient for us to give. And so instead of making sure the church can be established and equipped to do all that God's called Takeover Church to do or whatever church hypothetically we're talking about in this situation, instead of setting up online giving to make sure that it's still good to go, we often find ourselves just walking this line of, if church isn't convenient for me, then I'm not going to worry about it. For other Christians, often I find ourselves, we pray, right? Prayer is probably significantly just with, with Christians for the most part. I know there's other major world religions out there that would use that term and other things like that, but we are the only uh, body of which that actually has a God that died and rose again, defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave so that we can have that line of connection to him and on the other side of that he can move. And so often I find ourselves as Christians, we only pick up that line when we're in trouble. We only pick up that line when we're going through it. We only pick up that line like we're calling our parents when we need to get bailed out. Although that line is available to every single one of us all of the time for every matter, big or small, God wants to hear about it, good or bad, God wants to hear about it because we pick up the phone like we do with anybody else for what? A relationship. For some of us as Christians, we, we do these things where we change our profile on our social media 
to say really Christian things in it, like, Jesus, my all and all. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Or we quote, like, one of the biggest verses in the Bible, which is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which I love that verse as well. Or here's my favorite, and I know you've seen this, so please, if you've seen this, feel free to laugh at this person. Sorry, person. I'm just so hidden in God that a man should have to search God to find me. We've all seen this person. We have, and, and God bless you, we have. But we do these things as Christians. We do these things where we live life, and, 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 we, we, and these are not bad things, don't get me wrong, but these aren't the full thing. Like there's more for us than just feeling like church is an inconvenience. In fact, the rest of life should be an inconvenience because we should be building our lives around building the church. Why? Because it's what Jesus came to establish. It's not the institution. It's not the organization. It is the collective, not just the collective meeting, but it is the souls being ripped from the grips of depression and hell and worry and anxiety and addiction into love and freedom. But often we find ourselves, because it's often conven inconvenient for us, like some of us, we love meeting up with people on every other week basis. Like we're going to start a thing in, a, in the next few months here called Takeover Crews. If you want to be a crew leader, you should sign up out there because I need some good crew leaders who I can trust with the spiritual growth and the love and care of people's hearts and souls. But we're going to start these things called Takeover Crews, right? And they're going to probably be on an every week basis. You can hang out with, with your crew whenever you want to, really. But when we get together purposely with Takeover Crew as the banner, it'll probably be on an every week basis. But for a lot of us, getting together with people on every other, weekend, every other week basis isn't too much to ask. And in fact, that's why we jump at it because, oh yeah, I could do every other week. Problem comes is that when on the off week, somebody in our crew, somebody in our life, somebody in our church, somebody that we love, that God's given us to care for and love on, suddenly their world is falling apart and it happens to be on the off week. And we turn to our spouse or we turn to our friend or we turn to whoever just texted us or we look at our phone when they send that message in, hey, can we get together tonight? Can we really use you? We look at our phone and we go, ah, I'll see Rusty on Sunday. He'll be all right. We'll hang out next week. I'll see Rusty then. We'll be all right. Meanwhile, this other person's life is completely falling apart. Church is not for half measures. Church is not for little. Church is not for just little bits that we get to take advantage of. No. There is more with God. A lot of us Christians would say we want our cup to be overflowing, but at the same time, we're not taking all of what God has actually offered all of us. We want our cup to be overflowing. Bless you. We want our cup to be overflowing, yet we're not accepting from God everything that he has to fill up our cups. There's more with God. Do you believe that tonight? So I read this verse. I read this verse and I love Paul and I love what he's talking about where there's more with God because it reminds me of kind of how silly I am. Now, I am the kind of person, anybody go to a uh, family's house for the holidays? Where's my holiday family gatherers, right? You got big families, do the whole thing. So for me, I am the world's most pickiest eater. I literally offend everybody I go to eat at their house. Kid you not. Even now as a vegetarian, it's even more limited. It's crazy. 
I offend everyone, including who I'm going to name right now, who is Annette, and she is my mother-in-law. Hey, girl, how you doing? But Annette is my mother-in-law. That is Adrienne's ma. I love Annette. She is great. She has taken in me like her real son, more than her real son, actually. Sorry, Adam, uh, if you're listening to the podcast. But that was awesome, by the way. I, I hope he hears that. I'll edit it out. Kidding. Um, but she's taken me in more than even her own son. She loves me so much. She loves Adrian. She's believed in me and her from the beginning. No matter the insurmountable amount of stupid things I've done in however many six or so years that we've been together. Five? Five? Whatever. Love you, girl. Hey, it's a lot of, I'm about to, it's okay. Forgive me. Sorry. But no matter the amount of insurmountable dumb things I have done, said, showed up wearing, whatever it was, Annette has just loved me and championed me on and has done nothing but open her home and her heart to me, right? And really made me a part of her family. She, she's incredible. On the other side of that are holidays where Annette goes all out. Y'all got that family member or that person you go to their house and they just have a spread? That's Annette. So we got Thanksgiving or we got Christmas, we got Easter coming up, whatever it is, and she's like, yo, I got ham, I got turkey, I got pork loin. And it's like, what? She's like, we got jello, we got yams for days, I got gluten-free and gluten stuffing, both of them, and let us not forget mashed potatoes. Where's my mashed potato people at? Hold on, wait for it, wait for it. She goes, we got mashed potatoes with butter. Where's my butter people at? You know what I'm saying? Butter is better. I don't care who you are. Like, margin, get out of here. Olive oil, get out of here. Butter has got you beat. Butter over everything. I love butter. It's bad. I repent. Lord save me. Butter is great. And then she also has this dish called Aunt Ike's Beans. Which scares the ever-living out of me because one, I'm not a huge fan of beans. Two, I'm pretty confident that there hasn't been an Aunt Ikey in this line of generation that she would have ever met. Because nobody in the last hundred years has named their kid Ikey, let alone a woman. So, I'm dubious. So holidays roll around, butter is better, and I will make my way up to that island. They have this beautiful island in the kitchen, and I make my way up there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to tear it up, because holidays are the one time a year, it comes up like five times a year, so they got like five times a year, however many holidays you celebrate, that you can just flat out destroy yourself and not feel bad, right? Like, you're going to get pie, you're going to get cake, you're going to get cookies, you're going to get dumb. Like, it's just going to be awesome, right? And so I'm getting up there like, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to tear it up. This whole thing's got to go down and take it all. But because I'm so picky, I actually go up there and I, I'm leaving with some ham. I got some turkey and then I got a big old thing of butter mashed potatoes. And I walk away with a lot of space on my plate, right? Because I actually don't eat that much food. But I'm going to take turkey and ham and butter mashed potatoes while everybody else at the table who is offended by me and my presence at the moment... They get to walk away from the table with more. They get to walk away from that table with Aunt Ike's beans, which I'm sure are fantastic. At least that's what I tell Annette. I'm just not feeling it at the moment. But they get to walk away. <laughs> they just get to walk away with a more experience while I'll walk away with lesser experience and I hide it all underneath the guise of, well, I know what I like. I know what I've had. I know what looks good to me. I know what I've experienced so far. I know what somebody else has said about this dish. 
I know what somebody else has said about how you cook. I know what somebody else has said about their experience with Aunt Ike's beans. Sorry, I don't want it. But because of my preconceived notions, my preconceived ideas, my preconceived likes or notions or thoughts or whatever it is, that word of mouth that I've put stock in about certain things at the table, I inevitably every single holiday walk away from the table with less and with a lesser experience than everybody else because they walk away with full plates and full bellies and merry and cheer and all these things and I'm just over here and my little Matt likes this and Matt likes that and Matt does this and he only allows this in person. But everybody else has a more experience. As you get where I'm going with this tonight, I think for a lot of us, there is more with God. But we sit here and we look at what he offers and what his word says that we can actually have. There's this idea in the church today in 2018 that like gifts of the spirit and healing and all of these things died with the last apostle. God is still making apostles. He is still doing things. His Holy Spirit is still here and he is still able. His able-bodiness, ableness, whatever it is, his ability to still come through on his word isn't contingent upon the times that we live in or somebody else's experience that you may have heard about. It's contingent upon his truth and his word. And so I want to look at Ephesians because I love Paul. Anybody else love Paul? He is just vicious, right? Like, Paul is a savage. Like, if we're being honest, Paul 100, he just has no cares to give. He just tells you what it is. He tells you what he's experienced with God, which is truth. And he just lays it out however you like it or not. There's no sugarcoating with Paul. Much like Jesus doesn't really pull punches. In fact, Paul's the kind of guy that if he's going to get in a fight, he stuffs like a roll of quarters in his fist. And he just, like, wrecks your face. Like, that's Paul. He just doesn't care. He is hardcore to the bone. Okay, am I the only person that grew up fighting a lot and knew that in order to win unfairly, you packed a punch with a roll of quarters or change? Is that just me? Cool. All right. Repent for me. Nope. Dave's in the back. Dave knows. That's right. We. Oh, man. I love fighting. I repent. I'm sorry. Don't judge me. But here's Paul. And Paul's goal of this whole section, he's writing to the church of Ephesus back in the day. And his whole goal is that for every single Christian, you and me would understand, not, not just the Christians who have gone to seminary, not the Christians who have been in church for 15 years, not the Christians who have been in the same church or their small town for 15 years, not the people who have been walking with Jesus longer, not the people who cuss a little bit less or who smoke a little bit less or whatever you know measuring stick that you put yourself on. Jesus, or Jesus, Paul wants every single one of us Christians, no matter where we find ourselves at, on this make-believe proverbial totem pole that we put ourselves on, he wants every single one of us to know. And not so that we can post about it on some blog, not that so that we can write about it in some essay for grad school, not that so we can tweet it and people will like it, not so that we can have the best Instagram profile in the world. He wants every single one of us to know that how great and how wide and how deep and how how vast and how emphatic. If you don't know what the word emphatic means, it means forceful. It means coming with everything that it has. The love of God is for every single one of us. He wants everybody to know. And Ephesus and Jesus wants us to know tonight at TakeOver, there is more with God. Amen. There is more. And it's not so that we can use it to promote. And it's not that we can make a brand. It's none of these things. Like I know TakeOver is a cool name. And I know the logo is really cool. And Adrian designed all that. And it's awesome. Our brand isn't TakeOver our 
I would say our brand is Jesus, but Jesus isn't a brand, so really we just got Jesus. And I want to tell you tonight that there is more, and it's for God, and it's for you, and it's for the glory of God, and it's for the benefit of everybody around us. There is more with God. How you doing out there, Takeover Church? And so Paul, when he's writing to Ephesus, it's hilarious because Paul... Again, he's hardcore. Paul doesn't care, right? Paul rarely, if you read his stuff, Paul rarely ever actually writes to a church like just bragging on him right away, right? Like he's not writing to Ephesus going, yo Ephesus, y'all crushing it out there in Ephesus. You're crushing it. That's not even where it's at. Ephesus, you're crushing it. You're getting it. You're tearing it up out there. Jesus loves you. Big ups to you, bro. Everybody ever met that person, by the way? Big ups? Like, big ups guy, go away. Like, big ups to you, bro, goodbye. Like, Paul is never writing to the church of Ephesus just to brag. Or to anybody, really, just to brag on him. Really, Paul is so funny because um, he's the kind of guy that's going to write to you and be like, like if there was a voicemail, I'd be like, hey, it's Paul. I can't get to you right now. I'm stranded. My car broke down. I stepped on a nail. I'm just out here suffering. But don't feel bad for me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm suffering for God. Like I'm suffering for God, bro. And you know what? While I'm thinking about it, you should probably suffer too. Like I think it should be really good for you and your spirit if you suffer too. Like it's never just good news with Paul. It's like, hey, I'm going through this, 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 and this, and life is pretty crazy, but God is still good. You should probably suffer because I'm suffering, and we should all just suffer for God, right? That's Paul, and it's really funny. And and I'm not saying what he said is wrong. Obviously, God has put it in here for a reason, for a purpose, because suffering happens. But like Paul, we can always overcome it. But I think it's hilarious that he chooses to lead with these things. Because there's another one. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. It's hilarious. Paul is a boss. I love it. You You should read this. You really should. Because he goes like this. Hey, Timothy. Could you not? This is pretty much verbatim except through me. And he's like, yo, Timothy, you should tell those people. They got the saint, Apostle Paul's names on their lips. Put some respect on my name. And he says this, because when I come through and oh, I am coming. I just imagine Paul being like, I'm coming, Timothy. I'm coming. And you tell them, ooh, I'm coming. And when I get there, he actually says this. This is verbatim. And we will see if those people are full of anything other than hot air. Oh, we will see. That's Paul. That's gangster. That's what he does. He doesn't care. And so I think we can tell from this that Paul is never going to pull any punches. He's never going to tell us something that isn't beneficial for us. All of his words had really good purpose behind it. And so tonight when we're seeing that he is telling us that there is more that God can do, that there's more for our relationship, more for our friends, more for our families, that we've tasted and we've seen, but we haven't arrived. We can never arrive because God is never ending. He is vast. He is wide. He is far from the east as to the west. There is always more with God. And I think that's something every Christian needs to know. Because unfortunately, I I say something wrong? No kidding. Um, But for a lot of us, I love that riff noise, but for a lot of us, I think we get it twisted sometimes. I think we get it twisted. We get our relationship with God twisted up. We get our ideas of God twisted up. We get our understanding of God twisted up. We get our relationship with God twisted up. We start to add more and take away from, and we do all these things. We get it twisted up because for a lot of us Christians, 
We have based our relationship with God or maybe our understanding of God more off of people's, God's people's experience of God, not necessarily what the word of God, the truth of God, the promises of God said. Amen? I think for a lot of us, we base our understanding and our experience of God off of the traditions of God's people. Now, traditions are always bad, but traditions are not truth. Traditions often, more often than not, are man's attempts to get to God, but the truth of God is that we couldn't get to God, so he came to us. Amen. And so we base all of these things, we base our experience and our understanding and our thoughts on God's ability to actually come through on his word based off not our experience of God, but because before we ever had that need, we've already decided that he can't meet it based upon what somebody else's situation went like. But how many of you guys know there is more with God, and so I do not care, and Jesus does not care, and the Apostle Paul does not care. He is telling you this. His heart for you is this. No matter how grim it might be, no matter how dark it might get, no matter how close to that line you might come to, the word of God never returns void. His promises are yes and amen in the Christ Jesus. They are all available to every single one of us. If God said it, he's going to do it. Your healing, your provision, your salvation, your gift, whatever you are believing for is on the way. No matter what your situation has been, but we get ourselves in trouble when we don't stand on the word of God and the truth of God for ourselves. We limit our experience by, of God by somebody else's experience of God. But can I tell you tonight, take over church, young person, old person alike, whoever you are. Jesus did not come and die and rise again also that you can live off the secondhand revelation or experience of somebody else. Jesus came, died, rose again so that you could have your revelation of who he is, so that you can have your relationship with him, that you can have your experience with him. It's not about who came before you and whether they received what they thought they were going for or not, because chances are, however that situation went down, I'm man enough and, and godly enough to say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I know what the word of God says, and I know that I've seen his promises come true. And more often than not, I know for me that I don't see God's provision, and I don't see God's healing, and I don't see God moving in my life in certain ways that I feel like I need him to, but it's often because of something I'm doing or not doing. It's more often because Matt can't get out of God's way. Because I think because I need something, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a way where there is no way myself, but I can't because that's not who I am. I'm not God. And so we get it twisted in this life where we decide that our experiences before the need ever even arrives at our door, we've already decided that God can't actually meet it, that God can't actually come through, that he can't actually reconcile this relationship. He can't actually come through in our marriage. He can't actually change things. Well, because I... My pastor at my church came out that he was cheating on his wife. How can my marriage ever be the same? How can my marriage ever be better? How can I ever win back my spouse? You know, it's funny. You talk to people and, and you ask them because um, in West Michigan, it's really funny. There's a lot of like, um, like Christianese words is what we call it, where people just use very Christian things. And, and so you're having a conversation with somebody and they approach you at Roasters. Shout out to Roasters. Great coffee. We go, hey, so uh, pastor. Hey, pastor. Pastor, remind you of what you are, right? Oh, oh hey, Christian. Oh, hey, Bible believer. So you go to that takeover church. Hey, do you believe that like healing is for today? And it's like, 
like, well, yeah, I believe the Bible. But then you ask them, like, hold oh, well, do you believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today? That's actually how it was worded to me the other day. Someone's like, do you believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today? And I'm like, I never saw it end. But, you know, you ask them the same question back, and they're like, well, I've never seen somebody be healed. But just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that it's not God's truth, right? Hey, do you believe that marriages can actually be reconciled, that marriages are God's design, that they can actually come back from anything if God is at the head, if he is on the throne, as we talked about last month, of that marriage? Well, no, I mean, like, my parents were big, devout Christians, and they went to church their whole life, and they raised me in the church their whole life, and, and really this got to a place where, you know, they just grew apart. With God at the center, you grow together. I don't care who you are. If God is at the head of it, you always grow together. As you grow closer to God, you should grow together. There is more for our relationships, and there is more for our marriages, and there is more for our healings, and there is more for the church. Just because you haven't seen it or somebody else didn't experience it doesn't negate God's truth and it certainly doesn't negate God's promise to his people. If he said he will, then he will end all, be all. There is always more with God. Amen. Amen. And so I know, I know this might be a hot button subject for a lot of people in here tonight, okay? So I'm going to try and be sensitive, but, you know, unlike Riff Raff, I don't tiptoe on my Jordans. I ain't tiptoeing tonight, okay? We're going to get in. We're going to get after it. God has something to say to us, and so I'm going to say it. I never want it to be said, hear my heart in this, hear my words, hear where I'm coming from. I never want it to be said of Takeover Church that we have done, I don't want to get a year down the road, five years down the road, and it said that, man, you guys just really, you know, you blended in well. You assimilated into West Michigan culture really well. I never want that to be said of us because this is a hot button topic because for a lot of us with me not growing up in this I see it totally different than you do so please hear my heart when I say this because for a lot of us we look around and we are raised in it and we don't see anything wrong with it we don't think anything needs to be added to it we, we, we have jobs and we have picket fence and we have kids and minivans and we go to church on Sunday and I tie the salad 220 every two weeks and we just keep going and that's great. And that's a good place to start. But I never want it to be said of Takeover Church that we just came in, raised a lot of noise, and then found our place in the Christian bubble here in West Michigan. Because I believe for Takeover Church, we are called to step out above what West Michigan culture looks like and be a shining example to the Christians and the non-Christians and the unchurched and the church and the Christian and the sinner and the saints and the atheists and everybody in between that there is more with God. Amen. Like Grand Rapids, here's the thing. There's a stigma in Grand Rapids and as long as this is a stigma in Grand Rapids, I am going to fight all of hell to have this change because one of the stigmas here in Grand Rapids is this. Yeah, Grand Rapids needs another church like I need a hole in my head. Sir, with all due respect, and I say that with all due respect, maybe you do need another hole in your head so that Jesus can finally get this message through to you. That Grand Rapids doesn't need another, uh, Grand Rapids doesn't need another notorious person or prolific person for people to get behind. Grand Rapids doesn't need St. Patrick, sorry. Grand Rapids doesn't need Betsy DeVos, sorry. Grand Rapids doesn't need John Calvin, sorry. These are political statements I'm making. I'm just saying. Grand Rapids doesn't need another prolific person to either rally behind 
behind or rally against. Grand Rapids needs Jesus. And Jesus needs and he wants some followers of Jesus who are willing to rise above the crowd, rise above the climate, and say enough is enough and I'm reaching for what's mine at the table of God. There is more for God. There is more for you. There is more for the church and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to assimilate into what's here already. I'm going to live in great expectation that my God is able to do exceedingly above all that I could ask or imagine. There is more with God. There is more in the wild. We're not going to be a church that just looks at the wild. We're going to be a church that goes to the wild. And we're not just going to go to the wild, our world, our sphere, Grand Rapids, this influence that we have here. We're not just going to go to the wild. We're going to let the wild know that there's more for them in the wild. Amen. Grand Rapids needs Jesus. Friends, we are called to walk in spirit and truth. We don't walk in spirit and tradition. We don't walk in spirit and what our parents grew up in. We don't walk in spirit and what the climate and the culture around us says or what the other mega church is doing or whatever it may be. We are called to walk in spirit and truth because in the spirit and in truth, there is more and truth and spirit always goes beyond the limitations of man to the opening and the ability of God. There is always more with God, you know. It's crazy to me. God has made it abundantly clear time and time again, and we've kind of talked about it a few times, but maybe never in this light. But man, he's given us his word. Put those Bibles back up for me one time. Throw me your Bibles up. Throw me your iPhone. Whatever you read the Bible on, throw it up. That's beautiful. God has given us his word. And more than that, he's given us his spirit. Jesus says, it's better that I go so that the advocate may come, the Holy Spirit, because greater works will you do. But even Jesus, greater works. And that's not meant to be crushing to us because maybe we're not laying hands on lepers every day and seeing things happen. I believe we can, and I believe we should. And I believe that we are responsible for our obedience to lay hands because blessing always follows obedience, right? And so we're responsible for laying hands, but God's responsible for the healing. And he's going to bring it because of what his word says. So we have his word and we have his truth. And God has told us, he has given us his spirit. And yet for a lot of us, we walk around meager and timid Christians. We approach the table of God, the gifts of God, the five-course meal of God, and we approach it like we're a begging puppy. We approach the table like we're just meager and we're just timid and it's like, hey God, Father, if you could, God, if you had time, like I know that you're a busy God and maybe you don't have time because it's a big job, but if you could, if you, God, maybe, hey God, I'm just really feeling like this. Could you maybe, hey, I don't, I don't mean to bother you, God, but if you think enough, if you, if, if, if maybe you wanted to move in this way, God, could you, could you take this depression? Could you, could I maybe give this to you, God? I, hey, if you're, if you're even there, um, you know, Matt said I could dial you, but it's just, you know, if you're there, God, could you? And we approach the table often like this.
this meager and timid, this very weak-sounding prayer. And weak prayers aren't a problem, don't get me wrong, because oftentimes in life we will find ourselves in a, in a place of weakness, but God's word has good news, and he says that when you are weak, then you are strong. No longer you that live, but me that lives through you. But often we approach the table like there's not even a place setting for us, like we're just a dog begging for scraps. We approach the table like those chairs and those place settings are reserved for somebody who dresses it better, who talks it better, who walks it better, who has been doing it longer, who's already come to the table or time or two, who's already ate a meal or a plate. And we approach the table of God and the promises of God like we are a dog that comes to the table when he is saying, daughter, son, you are not a dog. You are not a dog that needs to be crated in the castle when the king is out. You are a daughter and you are a son of the most high God. And everything at this table and everything in my kingdom and everything that I've ever done is open and available to you just as you are. You have been adopted. You have been purchased. You have been taken out of slavery and addiction. And wherever you found yourself before you found yourself at the feet of Jesus, you've been taken out of that. You are now a son and you are a daughter. You are a prince and a princess. And I know that's overdone in the West Michigan culture. I'm just a princess. My father's the king of kings. I understand that it's cliche, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. You are not a dog that needs to be created while the savior, while the king of the kingdom is out. You are a son and you are a daughter and you have free reign that has been given to you by Jesus. Every promise, everything's available to you. You know what? We have these, let me put it in perspective for you. We have these two dogs, right? Has anybody seen my dogs? I, this just came to me because if I would have thought about this earlier, I would have got a picture of my dogs. They're really cute. Man, I love my dogs. We got this American bulldog. That's what we tell people because they get a little bit worried. He is an American bulldog, but he's kind of more of a pit bull. I love him. He is my boy. I brought him home two weeks after we got married. <laughs> bad decision, but I love him to death, and he tears things up, but I love him to death. And his name is Hardway. And maybe that was prophetic, because now we're learning the hard way, not really him. Uh, he's kind of learning the hard way, too, but he's just tearing things up, right? But he is my boy. I love him. I'm worried one day when we decide to have kids, because my relationship with Hardway might change, and that is kind of a bummer. But I love Hardway. He's my guy. It's my dude. And then we have this other little girl, right? Her name is Scup. Her name is, full name is Scupper Nong. Adrienne named her. It's a grape from To Kill a Mockingbird. My wife is awesome, and that is so out there and beautiful, baby. I'm so proud of you for that name, but Scup is great. She looks like a Scup. She acts like a Scup. She is a Scup. Her name fits her, and I love them so much, and we got her because Hardway was lonely and needed a girlfriend. They are not boyfriend. They are not brother and sister. Don't get it twisted. They straight dating. They kiss each other in the mouth. It's weird. I don't get it. It's like, y'all need to go to the doggy bed. Like, what are you doing? Stop. Like, get out of here. Meow. You know what I'm saying? I made a cat noise when I kicked the imaginary dog. Doesn't make sense. But we're at the dinner table, man. And they don't do it so much now. They still beg because they know what, like, human food is. But, man, they would just come up there. And Hardway just has, like, the saddest look on his face. I really wish I would have thought about this before now because he just has the saddest. Like, he's, he just looks sad. Like, like he, doesn't, he doesn't approach the table in, like, a whiny manner. But you know what he wants still. Like, he's like, mm. Mm. like, feed me. But with these big eyes of just sad joy. It's wonderful. I don't even know how that makes sense, but it is. And then you got Scup. 
Scup is definitely not saved. She definitely doesn't love Jesus. She is a heathen dog. Okay? I'm going to get a letter or an email going, uh, dogs can't get saved. They don't have a soul. No, 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 no. And it's like, yeah, shut up, bro. It's a joke. Scup definitely doesn't love Jesus, right? She will go to the table and she makes noise because she doesn't bark. She yodels. It's weird. And so she does this thing and I'm going to do my best impression. Baby, tell me if I'm making it well. But she goes, and that's how she does it. And then she'll put like a paw up on Adrian's leg and then she'll finally get all the way up there and she'll look at the table and she'll go, just like that, right? It's pretty close. Am I pretty good? Pretty close, right? And me, because I'm weak, I always give in. I always feed him. Adrienne's definitely the stronger one of us. And I'm just like, do you hear her? Oh, come here, little girl. And I probably give her more for creativity because she makes some noise and she gets really animated about it. So she gets more than Harvey does. But these are dogs and they approach the table just asking for scraps. Scup never asks for the whole steak, though if she knew she could, she would. Believe it. Hardway actually jumped up on the counter one time and stole a whole raw steak off it. Was it two steaks? It was two steaks. Hardway's, he's a savage too. (laughs) Definitely a bad kid. Love him to death. But these dogs, they approach the table. They're not asking for a full steak. They're just asking for the trimmings. They're just asking for fat. They're just asking for what we're not going to finish, the leftovers. When the meal and the dish is already dispersed to those deserving or those more human or those more further along and to change it back into what we're talking about, those more Christian, those more walking with God longer, those who have it more together, those who have a good marriage, those who have a good single life, those who all of whatever it is, when it's finally dispersed to everybody else, so oftentimes we approach the table of God like a whiny dog. God, if you could... If you would, if you could spare just a sliver of fat off that, if you could just give me a little bit of provision, God, just enough to get through, just, just, just a little bit of my gas tank to get to this job interview. I'm not going to pray about the job interview or favor that I get it because, God, I've already decided based off my previous experiences or based off other people's experiences who thought they were going to get this job. This was their dream job. They would be perfect for it. And for whatever reason, they didn't get it. I'm not even going to pray for that. I'm just going to ask that, God, you would get my beat-up 1997 Saturn to beat up so I could get this job interview instead of praying that the provision is actually there that God actually makes a way I'm just going to ask for scraps and I'm just going to ask that you could and maybe you would but church I came to tell you tonight you are not dogs and you are not an experience of somebody else's you do not walk in lack you do not walk in less God has made everything available to you we do not approach God with weak, timid, shy prayers. His word says that we are able to approach the throne of God boldly. Jesus says, ask anything in my name and the Father will do it to bring glory to himself. We do not approach God shy, timid, or meager. We go to the throne boldly knowing that he has paid the ultimate price what we could not so that we could have this direct line to his power and his provision. It is no longer God if you see it fit because you changed my wife. No, it is divorce. You have no place in this marriage. Be gone. Ears be open. Hearts be soft and eyes be soft so that they can see the tender in the heart in your eyes. 
Sickness be gone in the name of Jesus. Not God, hey, could you just make cancer and chemo a little bit easier? No, sickness be gone. Cancer get under my feet in the name of Jesus. We do not pray bold, timid prayers. We tell hell it has to go and heaven it has to come because we are sons and we are daughters of the Most High God and he has done everything in his infinite ability to make these promises in this life. He says, John 10, 10, the son came so that you can have life and life to the full. It is fully available to you. What are you going to do with it? Take over. The table is set. You have a place here. There is more with God. And we're not done yet. Worship team, you can start coming back up here as we get ready to sing Oceans. Because I'm just excited as everybody else is. But I think God has one more thing he wants to say in this message. Often I find us, as Christians, often we're, we're some of the least faithful people on the planet. And that sounds crazy, right? Because we... We've decided that we're going to follow Jesus and, and we're going to believe everything he says he is and we're going to submit our lives to what God says is best for him and we're going to follow him and we're going to pursue him at all costs, through all wreckage, through everything. We're going to pursue him as he has pursued us through everything at all costs, right? And so that we could argue that takes quite a bit of faith to believe that, to pursue that, to go through life when life actually just hits us and knocks us down, to still say that God is good because we know in the midst of it, it's just a season, it's just a circumstance, it's just a situation and we have a Savior and he is going to get us through it and he is going to pull us out of it and he is going to bring us victory. We sang it tonight. I've seen this fight. I've seen this depression. I've seen this anxiety. I've seen this worry. I've seen this job change. I've seen this lack of job in the season of this moment. I've seen it all from the scope of the victory at the cross of Jesus. If he never did another thing, we've already had our breakthrough and we have his undivided promise to us that he is going to make a way where there is no way. But for a lot of us, we're some of the most faithless people. I find myself doing it. I have to catch myself too. Because somebody comes to me and they're like, Matt, I feel like God is getting ready to move in my life, man. Yeah, what's he doing? I don't know. I think he's, I think he's getting ready to make a change. I feel like he wants me to quit my job and he wants me to just pour more into my art and more into this. So I'm going to quit college and I'm going to just work at Madcap and I'm going to do these things and, and people aren't going to understand and, and I'm kind of worried. And often we go, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed? Like, I mean, like, have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you got 16 different people to pray and fast with you? Fast with you 16 different ways for 16 different days for a 16th however many things? And what did God tell the 16 of you to do? That's often what we say back to these situations. You know, man, I just feel like God's calling me to go plant a church in Three Waters, Utah, of all places. I feel like he's calling me to just quit my job, move my family, and we're just going to go, and we're going to go do this thing. And I just, I'm struggling with all this doubt and all this worry, and we're just sitting there going like, well, what's your pastor say? Have you, have you talked to your life group leader about this? What is, uh, what's everybody else think that you should do? 
And I don't think that getting counsel is wrong because the Bible says, confirm the mouth of two or more witness that seeking wise counsel is good. But I don't believe that you and I are called if there truly is more with God than our goal, our chief concern with somebody's life isn't to ever cast doubt, it's to help cast vision. It's never to cast doubt, it's to cast hope. It's never to put a shadow over it or an asterisk next to it going, yeah, but you're past. Yeah, but you've done this. Yeah, but you've been here. Yeah, but you've had this. Yeah, but you've slept with this many people. Yeah, but you've whatever. That's not our job. If we truly believe there's more with God, then we are the chief encourager on this plane and on this planet and in this city. It's never to throw doubt or to throw shade. It is always to come alongside somebody and tell you, if that's what God's telling you, then I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe alongside you. And this is crazy and this is big, but it's so crazy and it's so big that it might just be God and I'm going to believe you in it. Often on the other side of doubt, if you would just take a step over it, Doubt isn't the absence of God. Doubt isn't the absence of the reassurance and the assurance of his word and his promise to you. Doubt is an opportunity for you to walk in obedience because on the other side of doubt is this thing called faith. And when we walk in faith, we see doubt has to leave and we can now walk in the promises that have been made available to us. Church, I want to tell you tonight, I don't know what dreams you've let die. I don't know what dreams you had that somebody else choked out of you with doubt or insecurity about who you were. Or maybe you haven't been saved enough to start doing this. Or maybe you haven't been with Jesus long enough to do this. Or maybe you just got saved. Your girl's been with God for, you know, six years. She's been saved since the cradle. You guys can't get married. You can't do this. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you've ever experienced a Christian like that or a pastor like that or an organization like that. But I want to tell you, I'm sorry because God's best is always before you, never behind you. And his best is not based on what's behind you and your past or your longevity with Jesus. It's based with you being with Jesus because of what he came and did on that cross. Your best is always before you. And I got to tell you tonight, take over church. There is always more with God. So would you stand up in just a moment? We're going to start worshiping again. And we're going to go into this last song. And I just got to tell some people tonight. We're about to sing a song and the words are, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water. So often in this life, when we see that water that God's calling us to, we see high waves, we see turbulence, we see rock-shattering, earth-altering, and life-changing, cataclysmic events taking place in front of us. Our prayer to God isn't, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Don't let me die up in these waters. Our prayer and our worship and our praise to God is, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I will walk upon these waters where you have called me, where you have provided for me, where you have healed me, where your promise has been made available to me because out those waters beyond my doubt, beyond the culture, the climate, and my experience and the experience of those around me, God, I know that beyond those waters there is more with God. Amen. Amen.
So would you lift your hands? Would you sing and shout? Would you get behind this song and make these words yours? Because God wants to change some things in your heart tonight because there's more for you.